Welcome to the C-Level Conversations podcast. Do you want to learn how leaders make their hardest decisions and why? Then you're in the right place. Join us for inspirational and educational interviews with dynamic senior executives across all industry sectors, sharing real-life lessons and practical tips to elevate your career as a leader. And now, here is your host, Amrutha Morali. Change is inevitable. Be it in business or personal life, it often requires new ways of thinking and doing, shifting people from what they're used to to the unknown. For many, change can be a positive thing, but it can also generate a feeling of uncertainty and resistance. Today's guest is a change management expert. She has led change across process improvement and culture with large teams in retail banking. Today she explains key elements to taking teams on the change journey, what causes resistance and how she deals with it. I have Neha Srivatsava, Head of Branches at Credit Union Australia. A pleasure to have you on the show, Neha. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it, Amrita. Do you want to take us through your journey as a leader and where you are today for our listeners who don't know much about you? Sure, I would love to share a little bit about me and I think it's very relevant to this topic because both from a personal and a professional aspect, I have seen a lot of change and I've had to adapt to it quite promptly. So I moved to Australia 21 years ago um, and having been raised and brought up in Indonesia from an Indian heritage I constantly went through change in terms of the dynamics of cultural diversity and language skills. And as I came into Australia, what I really loved about it was this breadth of knowledge across people in terms of accepting diversity, which really helped me grow personally. And I think I've taken some of that, that personal story across through to my professional career. In the most recent years, I have been working for some really big banking organizations and in particular one that I'm very proud of in terms of milestone achievements in my career has been my work ANZ Bank in Australia. Real focus in sales and operations but also a lot of breadth in learning around projects and delivering significant change across really large groups uh, in the organization. And then my transition from that then in the last two years to a completely new mindset of working for a customer-owned organization at CUA has been just fantastic. And I think for me, if I think of my personal story as a leader, I have absolutely got feathers in my hat from each of these organizations, some great leaders, some really good mentors that I have been able to keep in touch with throughout the journey. It's the journeys where you learn and you pick up things that you can have as part of your toolkit. And most of it for me has been the people part. So if I think about my people leadership skills and how I have developed them, it is because everything I have seen of this as a journey and has been long-term, not an immediate or a now. And and that's helped me vest into it and really take, I guess, real authenticity in my learnings from there. You know, if I summarize my story as a leader, I'm very proud of leading really large sales teams across large geographies managing um, and facilitating large projects and really juggling a number number of responsibilities across the organization and having that view of that enterprise rather than just the channel that I work for. Now, how has this journey shaped you as a leader and your leadership philosophies? 
It certainly builds resilience as a leader. So you do tend to be a little bit more thick-skinned, but you also become more empathetic. So I think my emotional intelligence has grown through this journey. You know, IQ is something people talk about a lot, but I think when I think of myself as a leader, I think the EQ is just as important. And my leadership journey has helped me really flex and grow that muscle around emotional intelligence across, you know, how do you interact with people and get the most out of them? How do you help keep them engaged and passionate in the work they do and really take them on the journey in the in the work ahead so that they see the vision that you do and believe in it so that personal contribution is aligned for everyone? And I think for me, most very importantly, I think for if I think about all of the large change projects that I've been a part of or I've led, the storytelling in terms of, you know, where were we into where we are? That's something I've really learned and has been able to practice quite significantly across all of the roles that I've been leading in. That's a great point you've raised there, Neha. EQ is an important trait for leadership in today's heightened, emotive, COVID-laced world we find ourselves in. I completely agree with it. And, you know, if you think about the big change we've had with technology being such a big enabler in working from home and remotely, how do you understand over a WebEx or a Zoom conference how your team's taking on this change? So if you don't have some understanding and your emotional intelligence is not in sync, it's really quite challenging to lead teams across large geographies remotely. So I completely agree with you. I think we've almost had to accelerate that learning. You've just said you've done a number of change projects in your career, uh, both at ANZ and more recently with CUA. So have you been changing process or culture or both? I think um, it's always a bit of both. And you might, even if you might say, hey, I'm changing a process or here's a new technology, there's always an element of culture underlying. So there's always yes. mindset, you know, you need to obviously think about how does this person feel about it? You might think, hey, this is great. It's a new thing. It's an, a tool that simplifies processes. It improves performance and our teams are going to love this. And that's, you know, but there's still that underlying cultural change you need to make through it. And hence that I always talk about is the journey is so important and in clarification of, well, why are we making this change and how, how is this going to translate in your role? What role will you play in this? And being really clear on that vision, because personal values and culture will always come into even the smallest of changes. And a really good example, Amrita, if I may share, is when we first went into you know this restriction phase, we were talking about you know change from a perspective of we still want to keep the momentum of the business and the performance, but we interact with our customers differently. So how how do you enable your teams to understand that shift in mindset to say, hey, you're an essential service, your customers still need you, we need you to be, you know, in sync with that change, but your well-being is just as important to us. So let's bring this whole piece in together and go back to our core values. So and the core values are really what the culture of the organization has been for me and in relating back to say this big change is what it is, but our values stay true. And that then helps drive that cultural mindset to say we're ready for the change because fundamentally nothing's changing from a value perspective. Our purpose and our visions are still aligned. And we, we, this is just an enabler to get us there as a change. That is great because, you know, a lot of um, staff sometimes get confused with when your leaders are driving um, change rapidly, then uh, the uh, ethos, they think the ethos of the business is changing. But if you can still, as leaders, maintain the values, 
uh, I think it's received more readily by uh, the teams. Yes, exactly. Because there's like, something that they can still carry forward, you know, and I think that's so important is that there's underpinning values, cultural aspects, even the history of an organization and where they came from. These are all valuable things that I think we need to celebrate and take forward with us. So in your view, what are the elements of a winning change strategy? So I think one thing I often talk about, and I've talked about this even when I was in Citibank in transformation of a contact center project, is a really clear plan. And you need to be very deliberate and take that time when you're planning the change. Consult with, you know, different business units. Have a real enterprise view of the change. You might think it's only for one part of the business, but it may impact other areas. And obviously keep that customer centricity when you're thinking of the change. So I think that planning is a real key when you're thinking of change, be it, you know, as small as a process or as big as transforming your purpose or your vision. And I think the second part that I always talk about is communicating it then. So as you've made a plan, there are key milestones and and celebrations and successes that we need to absolutely communicate, but we need to keep the story really crisp in terms of where we were, what's the vision, what are the roles of different teams and business units in this change, and then really making sure in every part of the communication, the why is reinforced. But I think in change, the why is even more important, especially for someone who is really challenged and is resisting to it from a personal perspective or really unclear of, you know, well, how does this change things for me? How does this make it better for me or my customer? If the why is not clear, they're just not going to be able to cross over and uh, and really be participative in that journey. Yeah, I so agree. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, know your why, but if that's communicated as well, they understand why this change is happening as well as uh, it establishes trust, which is another key element in um, driving change. So what are your uh, common pitfalls that you've seen in your experience in change management? So I think, um, you know, you mentioned trust earlier, Amrutha. That's a big one. If you think about it, when you're communicating, if there is no trust between the employee and the organization or myself as a leader and my team of leaders, it's really quite hard for them to believe in your vision. And I think this is why when you do the planning, that seeking of input from everyone and bringing them on the journey helps build that trust. Leaders leave behind their authenticity and who they are. And they start to follow this real format of, you know, I've planned it. This is the milestone. This is a journey. I have to follow it to the T. You need to allow for some agility in your planning and you need to allow for input so that the cohort that you're speaking with and that needs to help you make this change can have um, almost a personal stamp on it. And they feel that they're part of this change. Not The change is not just thrown at them. It's like they own the change and they're able to drive it then and have that accountability through. So I think, and that also then helps build the trust piece that you spoke about earlier, because then they feel, okay, well, you know, I have an absolute role to play in this. I can see where this is going and I might have some suggestions to make changes and tweaks. And this is taken on board by management and senior leadership, and they're improving the change evolution based on my feedback. I think there'll still be team or a group of people who will not want to look at the positives and who's um, who might have real clashes and personal values and may take a little bit longer. So you need to harness the energy of the early adopters and really build that team culture to say, you know, I can see one of your peers is struggling with this. How can you help lean in on this? And this is where the, the culture of the team is important and the trust within your teams is quite important when they lead this change. 
So resistance is a common challenge, Neha, that leaders face when driving change. In your view, why do you think there is resistance to start with? It's very important to communicate clearly. And I think why there's resistance to begin with is there is lack of clarity in terms of why this change is happening. There is lack of clarity in terms of the vision. So they're unclear of the future and what this might mean. There may be some personal emotional values that are also underpinning that resistance. And there's real lack of, I I think, understanding and the perception of the change sometimes as well. So why employees often resist to change is can be quite emotional. So it could be based on their past experiences. It could also be, you know, what values they have from an emotional perspective. And I think personally, I think from what I have experienced, I guess real misalignment to what am I supposed to do next? And how does, what does this mean for me specifically? And this is where you need to have really clear one-on-one conversations with those team members to help them understand their role in the change. Resistance is the most common problem leaders face while implementing change. How have you dealt with it? Look, I think the first thing is you've got to think about a human as a human. They'll have a very basic emotional response. And that is just absolutely something you need to acknowledge and and be able to understand their perception. You may They may not have understood this fully. They may need some more time to think this through. So again, communication, information, you can provide them to really digest this is important. And then to pick that conversation up again with those early resistors so that they have had the time to think it through and they come back with maybe a different set of questions or a different perspective. Big, big, I guess, learning in terms of that resistance and that emotional response have been that a lot of people will fight change either that or they'll leave, you know, so that, that whole fight or flight is very real when you communicate large changes up front to a really large team. And so then you need to look, you know, I'd be able to look through that and look at what are the tangible feedback items? What are the feedback loops we have created to ensure we address this and take the team on a very clear journey and really reinforce consistently through every messaging? Here's the vision. This is the journey we are taking this is why the change is the change and what the role of that individual might mean. I think role clarity through a very ambiguous period can be quite helpful for large team leaders, especially when you're leading someone, a large team virtually. I think if there's lack of role clarity, it's really hard to build momentum and then be able to get some traction on it. And the final thing I will say is whenever we, you know, we deal with humans, as humans ourselves, we need to ensure that we have some flexibility within ourselves and not have a very fixed mindset in terms of approaching this. I often talk about growth mindset to my teams around just be open to it, listen and listen with intent so that you can pick something from it that's tangible and you can support your teams process that. And you, and I or I also think it's really important to acknowledge not everybody will come on that journey. So you need to be very prepared for that and understand that there will still be, regardless of the amount of effort you put in the planning, the communication and the clarity, there will be a group that may not be interested in this change. And then that is a personal choice for them and not an organizational choice. And there's also this um, loss of security, you know, the sense of this was my uh, everyday, normal, this is what things were, and I was comfortable with this, and now this whole big change is coming. And if there's things happening in their personal life, as well as the change at work, it can be quite overwhelming. And we need to acknowledge that and understand what, what an individual might be going through to help them I stay on board with their journey. So how have you dealt with this sort of resistance coming out of lack of communication, lack of trust, 
my biggest learning is trust is underpinning from sometimes from a number of reasons, right? It could be cultural. It could be that you've worked for that leader for a long period of time, or you've known the role and there's a sense of comfort with the role that you're in. And when you come across this, I think you need to home back into what is the the value of the organization and how do you stay true to that? And does that value align to the individual? So when personal values and, and organizational values don't align, there's always a mismatch and it's often seen as miscommunication, lack of trust, or disgruntled employees to say, you know, I wasn't consulted on this, I wasn't taken on the journey. And to my point earlier around that consultation, I think this is when you need to get input and seek that input and feedback regularly through the change journey and be able to communicate back to the individual or teams. Sometimes you'll see a whole team is resistant to the change because they see that their role, as you said, is no longer required. And so how do you make them understand, well, what is their new role and really drive clarity into that role change that they will have in the future? Now, we speak about communication and how uh, communication is such a key part of driving change uh, and leadership. So can you give us some examples as to, you know, how do you communicate? Uh, what have what are the channels and what are the methods that you use to communicate to your team uh, in times of change? Yes. So I um, that's a really actually very good question because I've mentioned communication quite a number of times and it really is part of that planning phase. I think in the beginning, when you're talking about planning, you need to think about when are you going to share progress? What are your key milestones? Are they aligned to the organizational plan in terms of the change or your business unit? And really, please, please share the successes. We move so fast at times to the next change and the next change because changes are constant in our life that we don't stop and celebrate the successes. So give teams ample time to understand the opportunity, understand the change, but also celebrate the success and especially milestones like when you've, you know, the change has been embedded and you can see the momentum and you can see the performance growth or you might see, you know, great feedback coming back from your customer base. You should absolutely celebrate and call that out at a, at a group level if you can. And what indicators do you use to measure progress? Um, so for me, the biggest one is feedback, regular feedback from my team. So my directs, I often, you know, randomly ring them and say, how are you feeling? What have you heard? And being really close to the frontline team. So I, I lead a large country-based team of just a little over 300 employees. And so it's really important for me to understand where or I guess where the sentiments are across the whole geography of Australia, because everyone takes this differently and at their own pace. So regular feedback from within my team. And I also am a big advocate of seeking feedback from peers, other team members outside your business unit. So I work in the CCO division currently, and most of my life I have worked in a very customer-centric role. And so I tend to seek feedback from divisions like technology, operations, and just understand what are they hearing, what are their sound bites. And finally, I think staff engagement is really quite important just to get a sense of where, what impact has this change had on overall engagement for your teams. And so if that gives you some feedback, and because most of that is anonymous, you might get some more really pointy feedback that is quite tangible and that you can do something with. So, um, you know, I, I recommend surveys to my teams when they're making changes, and it doesn't have to be quite an onerous survey. It might just be a quick pulse check, but that will help measure progress. Great insights, Neha. Thanks for sharing. 
Now, what's the biggest area that you are curious about right now, more relevant to your role? And uh, what are you researching right now? Um, look, I am very curious about this evolution of retail. I am researching and reading, talking to ex-colleagues, peers, and anybody in the industry just to understand, you know, what is this evolving retail industry going to look like, even learning from other economies like, you know, what's happening in Europe and, and where are they at and what are they thinking? I think that makes me very curious. I'm also very curious of what's next from a tech perspective in the industry. So, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence and robotics and, and data insights. And so what what is that next? And so naturally, I have always been a learner and it makes me very curious about other parts of the business, not just, I guess, the sales teams that I lead currently. So I'm very curious about, you know, where, how are we forming that strategy? And I always recommend to anyone uh, I'm a mentor for in the industry to seek your insights from other retail industries, from your peers, and, and be curious when you read uh, outside of just the realm that you are leading so that you can make informed decisions, but also that you can be an informed leader when you're speaking with your teams. How do you continue to learn? You've said you're a learner, you're a continuous learner, you're curious, you're passionate about advancing your um, you know, tech knowledge. So what do you do and how do you develop your um, skills and how do you learn continuously? I, am, I have been a curious child and, and you know, my families will vouch for this. And so I think that I have carried as, a, as something that I'm, I'm passionate about. And for me, it has been about speaking to really good mentors, uh, seeking good coaches. And, and when you find one, you know, please hang on to that coach and that mentor because they are valuable. You can only ever learn. Learning from outside the industry that I've spoken to before and reading um, appropriate, I guess, journals and articles that will inform your thinking. And for me, I think understanding consumer behavior currently has been my passion a lot. You know, I often think about when you go into buying a car and you go through this journey of test drives and features and this and that. And, and in the end, you choose this over that or you choose the color red over blue. And what has driven that thinking is really quite interesting. And it comes back to that, you know, the brain and, and the human insights that you can draw from the consumer behavior. There's there's obviously a lot of data around and lots of surveys that you can inform yourself from, but it's nothing better than uh, watching it in action or observing. So I encourage my teams to go, you know, do a little bit of a mystery shop. I say that, go and learn, look at what others are doing. And, and that's another way to be agile and to be open to new ideas and concepts of how humans want to interact. One thing I will say to any growing and aspiring leader is just, um, you know, st stay true to yourself. You may have a mentor or a leader that you, you're absolutely fascinated by their leadership and, you, you know, you can see yourself as one of those. But there is something that you need to be true to in terms of your authenticity as a leader and bring that forward. So as much as learning and curiosities is important to me, I still um, always say that I tr stay true to who I am and what I will bring to this leadership team. So what is your vision for the next five years for yourself? You're an ambitious young uh, woman. So where do you see yourself in five years? Look, I think plenty for me to learn still, for sure. And as ambitious as I am, I still think I need to grow the breadth of my knowledge across all of the facets of um, customer interactions, employee culture. How do you influence and drive and grow that? And, and, you know, how do you celebrate some of the great parts of the culture in your organization? And really growing the breadth of my knowledge, as I said, about the digital innovations that you see coming up and the technology that's evolving. It's something I've been learning is this whole mindset around, you know, how you lead 
And in the next five years, in my vision for myself, I would like to really cultivate this thought that as a leader, I'm not just the hero, I'm also a host and creating this environment for my teams to come up with ideas to collaborate internally and externally and grow. So that whole um, sense of empowerment is very natural. And at the moment, I feel that it's quite deliberate. So I'm consciously working towards this hero versus host concept of leading large um, organizations and teams. Thank you so much, Neha. I really do appreciate your time and sharing your rich experiences on change management and your passion for uh, taking people through this journey of change. So where can our listeners connect with you? Thank you, Amrita, for inviting me. The listeners can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter and we can share my handles. Thank you, Neha. That's Neha Shribatswa, Head of Branches at Credit Union Australia. Head over to jobfits.com.au to access the show notes and links. Thank you for listening to the C-Level Conversations podcast. I am...